Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready, so let us begin. So we start the 20 off where Han is hotwiring speeder, clearly on the run from someone. We're not exactly sure who, but he hotwires the speeder, jumps in, and does a mad dash to his kind of slummy home area where we see him uh, unite with Kira, who is clearly uh, a romantic interest of his that is someone who he frankly only cares about. The two of them have all the plans in the world to to run off together and have the their most romantic, uh, idyllic adventures, but they're quickly uh, captured, I guess, by whoever was chasing Han in, in the beginning, which is a bounty hunter for all... Uh, have I done something wrong? No, I just... Um, the uh, He was stealing the coaxium for Proxima. That's right, yeah. And so specifically, it's when he got back, he had to then tell them that, no, I don't have it. <laughs> Oh yes, okay. So he gets he gets apprehended by by Lady Proxima, who's kind of like a Olivarian uh, Olivarian uh, fagin to his hundred percent to his Han Solo, uh, and he gets apprehended, and he kind of has to go in front of Lady Proxima and and tell some fibs. And Kira is there, and there's lots of exposition. And they create a diversion, and they run off, and there's a speeder chase. Yes, so there's another speeder chase. This one is between the White Worms and uh, Han and Kira in a speeder. Uh, they decide uh, this is actually a great speeder chase. Uh, it's very kind of old school movie with muscle car racing. Uh, Han, uh, <laughs> at the very end, does a kind of flip turn. Kira says, you'll never be able to make it. He almost pulls off the move. He glides sideways for like a kilometer and then they just kind of plop down and then they run on foot into the station where they're going to try and make their getaway the fast and the scruffy looking oh love it (laughs) and they're uh, about to basically sneak past the gate and and evade capture once again they've decided they're going to barter the stolen uh coaxium is that the word Mm -hmm. uh for passage through the gate Mm -hmm. uh which seems like it's going to work and then ultimately it doesn't han gets through the gate and then they capture kira and uh, she is taken back away, and he promises that he's going to uh, come back for her. And he decides that he's going to sign up uh, with the Imperial Naval Academy. Yep, he sees it as the only way to directly get off Corellia. And then we cut to three years ahead of him on Mimbom in the middle of a war. Uh, he sees a bunch of people dying, and he sees a very cool gunslinger uh, within the Imperial Army who he decides to follow realizes that he's, you know, maybe not part of the Imperial Army and that he's, in fact, there to pull a job and Han wants in. And there's a little bit of resistance about that. They they out Han as a traitor and he is uh, thrown into the cage with the beast. And that's yes. the end of our 20. Man, a lot happens. You really oh. cannot fault this 20 for its pacing. No. Uh, well, you could. Okay. It's too fast-paced a little. Yeah, maybe so. In fact, they could have shown us a little more Academy. Yeah. Or any at all. Well, yes and no. There's some deleted scenes on that, and they've done a whole comic series. But at the same time, if we had gone into that, it would just be more stuff that we just don't care about in the end. I guess so. I don't like. I don't know if we would be able to see much change in Han. I mean, so there's so many issues with this kind of overall... With the character growth of Han Solo in this movie, he doesn't right. grow at all, really. He no. grows very, very little, and you can see the setup for his growth in what would be the second and third movie of this trilogy if they decided to make it a trilogy, which they so clearly were going to. 
Not now. Not now, but it's, it's just his character doesn't nearly develop enough. And so if you stick in more Imperial Academy, I don't know. Like, I would feel like cheated if it was anything under a half an hour. And I then it's just it so doesn't make sense. It's so strange when he's like, got kicked out of the Academy because I had a mind of my own. And you're like, okay, there's a story there. Yeah. It, yeah, there definitely is. But it, it, I think it's just because he's been kind of bounced around, been kicked down to the lower rungs because he's a just a loudmouth. He's Han Solo. Right. We know that sort of thing. That, I think that's actually a really good point. What you just said, there's a story there. That's the intrigue of Han Solo. And the whole reason why this movie shouldn't fucking exist. Yeah, that's so true. Everything about that because there's a story there. Why do we need to know it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're so right. The twelve parsecs thing. There's a story uh, there, but we didn't need to know it. Similarly, I found it hilariously ironic and completely tone deaf when he says to Beckett, "I'm Han," and Beckett goes, "Nobody cares." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, this movie." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at, also this is coming in the next twenty which is another one of the most kind of self-aware lines. And I love it is when Rio says, uh, as Han's broken free with Chewbacca, I don't know, I'm just going to say it. This kid's growing on me. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's pretty, that's true. That is kind of. It, it was the very last trailer they did for Solo as well. Yeah. And I loved that. I thought that was really cool because I, I had gotten myself psyched up because the things in the end that I was worried about didn't end up, I'm not bothered with in this movie. Right. I think Ansel Elgort did a great job. I think overall, I know you don't like Donald Glover's portrayal, but for the most part, I mean, I really, really hate L3. Uh, but other than that, in retrospect, there's nothing I can pinpoint that I dislike other than how this just should not have been made and it's just not significant. I gotta say, like, and this is kind of blowing the lead a little bit for the whole season, but yeah. I, I know I know, I said I liked Alden to begin with, or I think he did everything he could do and i think that's probably true mm. but he's just utterly lacking in something he's missing the x factor in this movie which exists only in one human harrison ford and that's why this this doesn't work from the very beginning this is a flawed idea yeah absolutely because han solo and harrison ford are it's kind of they're one and the same to sure. a degree and that's sure and he's just one of those characters but that's kind of one conversation that I think we probably have to try and... Okay, well, specific to this 20, then, when we're just talking about the character of Han Solo and who he is then, and also just the royal Han Solo, yeah. the, that opening scene with Lady Proxima was really just to establish that this is the character you know and love. Like yes. the, the whole Lady Proxima is just a Greedo sequence. Oh, 100%. Mixed in with Jabba. Yes, except he's a little bit more clumsy with it. Or well, he's very he? clumsy with Jabba. He is. You're right. He's he's actually pretty slick in the Lady Proxima scene. Well, no, I, I love the thermal detonator thing. It was pretty funny. Everybody stand back. What's that supposed to be? This is a thermal detonator that I just armed. That's a rock. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And you just made a clicking sound with your mouth. But the worst part about Lady Proxima by a landslide is why does she speak English and all of her goonies speak <laughs> alien dialogue? Because the problem is that's what makes him menacing. Yeah. Jabba the Hutt would not be menacing with an English voice, with like basic speak. He'd be so silly. He would look, he would be ridiculous. Yeah. He would be worse than Jar Jar. Yes. But he's terrifying yeah. to a degree. Well, he's silly too. He's silly, but like you could see how like him like chaining up Leia, that's like a. A terrifying mobster well, it in makes the Star him, Wars world. It makes him otherworldly. Yeah. And Lady Proxima is just brought into like, okay, this is weird. 
you live underwater, everybody else in your race speaks this dialect that clearly yeah. everybody has to just understand. But you're going to go out of your way to talk to Han in English here. That doesn't work. When Jabba the Hutt was originally conceived as a man, was he English speaking? I believe so. Must have been. I think he was Irish. Oh, that's even like like Shrek. Shrek is Scottish. Uh, no, yeah, I think like a big, just like a big drunk Irish guy. You know what's a strange inconsistency with Star Wars is, uh, it or at least I think, their their choice to use subtitles on characters who aren't speaking English. Sometimes they use they use them for Greedo, mm. for example. Uh, they don't use them for Chewie. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, because some of them it's like even with the the droids. Yeah, another one R two. I mean, some people understand them and BB eight, and so. I don't know. I think it's, to a degree, there are certain things that don't translate mm -hmm. directly. And I think you can kind of make that argument. Like, the Wookiees are a more primitive species, so their dialect does not translate as equally. And thus, is significantly harder to learn because it's maybe done in a more, I don't know, primitive way. Yeah. Um, whereas Jabba the Hutt, like Huttonese, they can kind of understand that a little bit more. And that's right. something that you could speak. And like Bib Fortuna, for example, Jabba's, like, they're all speaking Huttonese around Jabba mm. and that's not like uh, Bib Fortuna is a Twi'lek is not gonna Huttonese is not a natural language but because that's the the big kahuna in the area that's what they're all speaking and so it just it further doesn't make sense why Lady Proxima speaks English and it also just makes her lame now you you mentioned the the thermal detonator gag I love that it's a it's it's a quippy 20 Mm -hmm. The banter is good in this 20. Well, this was supposed to be one of the last 20s of the movie in Lord Miller's version. How does that work? No idea. But it is widely believed that Lady Proxima was kind of the inverted ending to what we got with, um, like, Enfys Nest on that kind of oh. beach. And Okay. Yeah, no, that doesn't that doesn't really work because it's always you're always catching up with Han while he's just settling some kind of innocuous debt that you don't really actually have to be invested in. Mm. It works much better at the beginning of the film. I think there's a chance that because uh, I mean I have, I have no freaking clue whatsoever. I think there's a chance that it's it was supposed to be start and finish. Oh, okay. Like the kind of thing where he goes back and then maybe discovers Kira at the very end. Right. It has like gone and turned because he's. Realize that she's maybe the head of the white worms or something now. Now, when he's having FaceTime with Lady Proxima and all the goons are surrounding and mm -hmm. Kira's there as well, she defends him. She opens her mouth and she defends Han. Mm -hmm. Molek, wait! Don't. Kira, remember the silo. We pulled you out of that horror, gave you a home. Don't throw it away for Han. The exposition is is profoundly terrible. <laughs> oh, so that's, that's who Kira is. That's why she has to be here. Yeah. And that's also who Kira is uh, through the rest of the movie without without giving anything away. She's mm -hmm. always someone who was a nobody she's, and got brought in by bad people. Yes, but she's also claws her way and that she's constantly at the very bottom. Yeah. But she survives. Do you find her two-faced in this 20? No, she's not two-faced. I don't think she's so. She's a survivor. Everything Kira does is to survive. Okay. And it gets to a point at the end of this movie where... It's not so much about that anymore. It's more about Han surviving. Right. It's because she, in her mind, she's like, well, I've done so much to survive that I'm like, I'm kind of a monster now. And I literally work for a monster. Right. And and also, 
Han is the more doe-eyed lovebird of the two of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing, because the whole point is we're supposed to see Han become more jaded. Yeah. And that doesn't happen in this movie, which is the thing that drives me nuts, because the very end, he's all excited and like happy-go-lucky, going to meet Jabba. And then we find out, I guess, that Jabba's the one who makes him jaded, or later things occur, because... We're not left at the end of this movie with the Han Solo. We see it in A New Hope. Right. Now, let's go back to the beginning. The opening yeah. uh, text. I love it. You're a fan. Big fan. I thought it was a really creative way to kind of get around things. I think I like the separation between Star Wars stories and trilogies. Um, I think it's because in the past you've done crawls for anything from a video game yeah. to everything under the sun. But TV shows like Clone Wars didn't um rebels didn't uh solo it had, like didn't but like these have kind of like a flashing uh i guess title sequence yeah to a degree i hated the title sequence the main title in this movie was it was so non-star wars yeah it was uh it was cool but yeah it was just non-star wars right uh but i thought this was a really nice way to blend that a long time ago into creating something that can be slightly different for the less um epic stories yep and I thought that that was very appropriate uh, and would have been appropriate for Rogue One, for example, as well. Is there no opening text in Rogue One? There there's was. No. Really? It's just a long time ago. Uh, no, there's something. It's no, just, it's, yeah, it's just a long time ago, and then it goes... Oh, okay. I guess so. It goes right to like a ship. And, and in this movie, it's written in the same kind of blue lettering to give it a uniformity. Yeah, and it uniform. kind of creates a little bit of a menacing tone because it keeps the... Right. The ominous background noise but i specifically like that because i think it can allow that reserved um crawl to be there for trilogies and can really kind of unite uh like trilogies as as a thing again yeah because i mean we need to expand beyond the skywalker saga uh, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more later but Star Wars is going to take the trilogy focus with movies, and I think right. that's the right call. But is Episode Nine the last time we see a crawl? No. No, but my point is Episode Nine is a trilogy movie, yes. and so the crawls are used to, well, the great exposition, but they're used to catch you up like, in the meantime, what our heroes have been doing, uh, like an old 80s style Flash Gordon TV show, yep. uh, and that's kind of, that works for sequential, like, if you were to do that for Star Wars in a TV show, you wouldn't do it in the pilot. You would need to do it every damn episode. Yep. And it would need to have gaps between things. Yep. That's why the crawl for the start of episode eight for was so like like questionable. We were like, okay, what's going to really go on? Are they just going to tell us what happened in the last few minutes? Because we know. We're going to say Ray walked up the hill. She stumbled on a rock. Well, do you like, remember how the 60s Batman TV series with Adam West would yes. always end on a cliffhanger? And the the... There would be a voiceover guy, and the mm -hmm. text would auto-cue on the screen as he says it. Mm -hmm. Like, what's going to happen for our caped crusaders? Yeah. And there was also a, last time on Batman, we left them in this giant uh, a giant stick of bubble gum or some kind of crazy <laughs> thing. Yep. Uh, it's kind of It kind of works in episodic television. There doesn't have to be a lot of time passed between things. No, but it's just, it's that's also a big commitment, too, because the crawl is such a... It's corny. Uh, it's yeah, but it, it's it's also it's an epic part, and it takes a while, and you're not going to do that for like every episode of a TV show. Spend the first two minutes doing a recap via crawl form and that big extreme kind of opening sound theme. So I mean, it's it's just an option, but like 
the whole point of being able to reserve a crawl for the next trilogy that we have, the next, uh, say, Old Republic trilogy or Ryan Johnson's trilogy, yeah. those would have crawls, 100%. Give me your best defense of the sickening prominence of the little dice on a chain tchotchke that has appeared in many of the new Star Wars movies. It, there isn't defense. It's, it's just, just it's, it's, they it, picked a random object that existed in A New Hope and tried to give it significance later on. Over and over and over again. I know. But the problem was they did, they did that because they wanted to unite yes. The Last Jedi and Solo, Solo and all of it together because it was also in a new... But it just it didn't work. It's, it, not, it's not an item that any of us cared about prior no. to any of this. It's not like... There are certain items in Star Wars that were not meant to be significant, but are significant now. Yes, there's endless this is, things. This was never one of those. There's so many things in Star Wars that you could have chosen. Like the fact that those dice are in A New Hope is like i had to find that out after the fact yes. i wasn't aware of these dice no i wasn't either no but they they represent but now they represent kira who no they're hans yeah she holds on to them for him i guess so but they remind me of kira yeah like that's that, that's kind of what they they mean to me and she i mean I, I i just don't i don't think she matters i mean we might find a little find out a little bit later what she goes on to become mm. But she's not the love of Han's life. Nope. She's not the greatest menace in galactic history. Nope. She's just kind of this gal who, like you said, survived, and I guess good for you, mm. but she doesn't matter. No, and that's the fatal flaw with everything in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Nothing matters. Yeah, I think we're... Now, uh, the... And I will say, I, enjoy, like, I like the movie. The movie's enjoyable. I like being in the Star Wars universe and watching... like an experience occur with characters we know and love and some new ones but it is just it is night and day when you're talking about the impact on the galaxy of this friggin movie versus like like even attack of the clones now when he's separated from kira and he's kind of scrambling and figuring out that he has to uh join the empire he wants to be a mm. a pilot I noticed something about the Imperial Navy recruitment video that is playing in the background, and I wonder if you noticed the same thing. You, you mean the uh, peppier Imperial March? Be a part of something. Join the Empire. Explore new worlds. Learn valuable skills. Bring order and unity to the galaxy. Be a part of something. Join the Empire. Yeah. yeah. The, the Imperial March is playing. Which, if I'm not mistaken, is the first time John Williams' music has existed in the canon of the Star Wars universe. That's interesting. I don't know. So that's the song that we, not just the audience hears, but that song exists in mm -hmm. the universe of Star Wars. Yeah. And it is kind of peppy. Yeah, I don't, I really have, I have no idea what songs... I mean, I you know obviously the Cantina songs. But I, <laughs> oh, that's true. That's one. Yeah, yeah. but I, I guess yeah, I guess that's kind of a funny point. What is the impetus behind Han desperately wanting to be a pilot so specifically? Is it about his father? It's about his father. But okay. once again, we don't learn more about that. No, really. but I have a problem with that because Star Wars is built around daddy issues, and we didn't need to add daddy issues to to give a backstory to another character who's essential to Star Wars. We could have found, it could have been mommy issues. It could have been something other than daddy issues to back up this other character in Star Wars. It, Honda, it's not daddy issues at all. It's that Han grew up in Corellia, which is 
like the number one shipbuilding planet. And his dad built the ships. And his dad was part of building ships, but his dad wasn't anything special at all. And so I don't think that means it's he doesn't have daddy issues. No, but I, I don't think it's daddy issues. I think it's planet issues. I guess it's, he was he, he was just stuck in the rut that whatever his family was and all of the other people that were part of the slums of Corellia who were just working for the big machine that was producing these ships. He wanted to grab those ships by the balls right. and fly them throughout the galaxy. In a way, he and Luke are really yin and yang because they both so desperately crave a purpose. Oh, yes. And that's a, that's a nice parallel between the start of A New Hope, for sure. Well, it, they both crave a purpose, but uh, Han doesn't really believe in purpose. You know, he just kind of goes out there and, like, makes his own luck, mm -hmm. where Luke obviously is a little bit more faithful. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do some uh, take backs or best okay. moments. Uh, okay, well, some of the things I, I, I would definitely say win the, the 20. I gotta say, I like the how he gets his last name. What's your name, son? Hunt. Um, what? Who are your people? I don't have people. I'm alone. Um, solo. Approved. I know it's a little bit iffy for people, and I can also appreciate that, mm. but I like when he says, huh, you'll be a solo. I, I kind of think it works. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it, too. Uh, I think uh, definitely the name of the episode needs to be Han what? Han, okay, sure. Yeah, that's pretty good. I kind of thought, Kira, I'll come back for you, but, but you're right. Han what is better. Because it also, what's the name of the movie? Han what? <laughs> solo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I actually liked the Imperial recruitment video in general. I, I also, I agree with you. I like the, him just writing solo and yeah. that meaning like kind of a scrum rat. It's, it was, it was a term. It's a term in the galaxy. I I liked uh, Rio calling him Flyboy for no reason at all. Yeah. That's funny. I thought that kind of worked. Uh, we actually, we haven't talked about any of those characters. Sure. Yeah. We can talk about those. I don't really know what else to say. I guess they're kind of compelling. They're good characters. I like yeah. all three of them. Me and that's too. why it sucks that we lose Val pretty quick. Uh, and Rio, I think, what is it, like 30 seconds later? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then Beckett. Well, Beckett at the end of the movie. Eventually. Um, there is something interesting. I don't know if you, do you notice how many times he spins the guns on his hand, on his fingers? No. Beckett? No. You haven't noticed that? No. Oh, if you rewatch this 20 and then and pay attention to the rest of the movie, the amount of times he spins his blasters on his fingers is insane. He's just always doing it? He's always doing it. He's Brad Pitt eating pizza? I don't know what that means. Brad Pitt famously eats in like all of his scenes in movies. I definitely, watch, I definitely can think of Ocean's Eleven. He's, he's constantly con eating. All movies. He's constantly eating. That's funny. Yeah. Ocean, yeah. Ocean's Eleven is them making fun of how much Brad Pitt... Okay, that makes sense. Then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, what were we just talking about? The spinning the guns. Yes, because the spinning the guns, and I've actually found out from I don't remember where I initially heard it, and then I've heard something since from Neil deGrasse Tyson that follows the same principle, and that it's the reason why he spins like he's, he's constantly spinning his guns on his fingers is not to look cool. Okay, it is a classic gunslinger trait. Yeah. And that the more, but specifically not just to look cool, but because it's extremely practical. Mm -hmm. If you are commonly and used to holding your gun while it's moving, you will never drop your gun. That's true. It's the same. And Neil deGrasse Tyson says specifically, I never hold my phone still. I never use a case on my phone, but I use it as a fidget tool. 
because that way I'm so dexterous with my phone mm. that no matter what the circumstance, I'm able to catch it or not let it slip out of my hands because I'm so used to it being <laughs> so weirdly hanging protective. on a thread. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's it's really weird and interesting, but it's it's definitely that same principle that if you're used to something being in motion. It's a hell of a lot easier to control it in motion. I wonder what they could have done. I, I like Woody Harrelson, but what could they have done with that character to make his betrayal a little bit more hurtful? Uh, if he was maybe a little bit less of a cynic from the beginning and yeah. basically telling Han, I told you. Yeah, you're right. It kind of should have been like, oh, he was supposed to be the hero all along. Well, that's the re- it, it should have been that he was the the wide out he was han solo in terms of a little bit jaded but shows he's got a heart of gold yeah and then you show an additional layer layer of evil whereas this it's just oh i'm jaded not nah, i'm super evil right, right. and you did you never got to see that moment where you know he he really went out to help others that didn't impact just directly feeding his bank account. Do you have any any quotes? You said you couldn't really draw a whole lot in. No, I it, didn't. And there's a couple things I was going to write down. In the end, I just uh, I I forgot. I guess it uh, is kind of a bantery twenty, though. It, there there is some things. A good think- luck, Han Solo will have you flying in no time, and then they cut to him via be flying in an explosion. Was is always good, right? Uh, like you said, Han, what? Who are your people? I don't have people. I'm alone. Hmm. Uh, you have a talent for sticking your nose where it doesn't belong. Uh, there's a beast. Wait, there's a beast? <laughs> I kind of thought that's funny. It's a good line. Uh, and it's their planet. We're the hostiles. Yes. I thought that actually illustrates a lot about Han Solo and how mm-hmm. he does not align with these people at all. Yeah. No, I really like that. And I think that kind of also... It's culturally a significant, important line for well, It Earth. is. But I think <laughs> that can also do a bit of explanation on the got kicked out for having a mind of my own. That's right. Because all he is is just being reprimanded for having a mind of his own. Right. I don't really have any other observations about the 20. Do you have any trivia? I've got some trivia. I do too. Let's do some of that. Okay. My Padawan question for you. Uh, what is the name of the guard who apprehends Han and takes him to Lady Proxima? Moloch? Moloch. Yes. He's very, he's like the... He is the... Um, is the he a- bi- he's the Bib Fortuna to Proxima as like the Jabba relationship. He's his second in command. More of a like. body man than a yeah. bounty hunter? Oh, yeah. I think very much like, yeah, the body man for the for the white worms. Okay. Um, What species is Rio? Oh, shoot. He says... I'm not going to think of it. He's an Ardenian. Ardenian, yeah. We've already got a great pilot. <laughs> the Ardenian. Ardenian? You got a lot of nerve, pal. I'm an Imperial Trooper. Oh, really? A couple of your arms popped out of your butt and hiked up your pants, Trooper. Oh, yeah? Okay, where does Han get sent after signing up to become a pilot with the Empire? Huh? The the, the guy who names him Solo tells him exactly where he's going. You're going to the Naval Academy at Corita. Oh. I did not even hear that. Yeah. Corita. No idea. Doesn't stand out to you? No. Go ahead. What did Beckett's crew go to Mimbon to steal? Is it like gear? Like, is it like weapons? No, clothes. Vehicles? Chips? It's specifically, it's an AT hauler. Okay. So I I thought that was kind of interesting, like an AT, AT hauler. What are they stealing them for? They're stealing it so that they can use it to not, to to haul a a train car. Right. As opposed to an AT, AT. Okay. uh, What does Han claim he has been boosting since he was 10? It's either 
AV21s? Yeah, it's AV21s. It was either AV21s or M68, because <laughs> M68 is the muscle car then that he drives. What are AV21s? I don't know, just a ship of Just sorts. a ship. Yeah, yeah, just probably like speeders. Have another one for uh, me? Yeah. Where does Han get separated from Kira? Uh, customs. The Coronet Spaceport. Okay. I noticed it because they mentioned it like way before they were at the location. So yeah. I was like, oh, that's a good trivia question. I liked the Coronet Spaceport. I thought that it towed the line nicely between like what train stations look like. And also like it kind of looked like a Holocaust train station. Yeah, like, absolutely. Re- they really captured like what probably the world has become, especially in a gritty place like where they are. Yeah. Uh, since the Empire, like like because the it's Empire has like, been thriving for a while now. It, it's supposed to be like the worst parts of like detroit yeah or like i guess so and just like the really like an area that is like in theory it's like an auto city uh, but it's just it's clearly so underfunded and just the government's having its way with the area right. and clearly this the way the stormtroopers are just like kicking people over and separating them from their children it's just yeah it's 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 a little too uh realistic <laughs> a little bit a little bit that's all i got um i read i read an interesting john williams fact what is that his son is named joseph williams you know who joseph williams is he's no. the he's the lead singer of the band toto as in africa <laughs> and rosanna that's john williams son that's really funny. isn't that the weirdest thing i'll never listen to africa again no absolutely Same. i know <laughs> i'll just think of it at the start Da, 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 da. Right. <laughs> they both made good songs. I just have one final thing here. Uh, the aliens, just the design of them were awesome too. You think? Yeah, I really like the white worms. Their uh, species, their grin, Grindalid. Okay. Is their species. Is that I, what Lady Proxima is? Yeah, I thought, I just, I, I actually really liked them. I thought they were very Star Warsy, And their I voice, didn't. even like Moloch's voice. Yeah. Holy shit, that was so Star Warsy. I loved it. It was. I kind of feel like Lady Proxima is straight out of a bug's life. I don't, oh, really? Yeah, I don't really buy her. I love Moloch. I thought he was so Star Warsy yeah. that I could, if Proxima didn't have her stupid voice and had Moloch's like, dialect, would have been so cool. I think so. Okay. Um. It, yeah, like the Hounds, for example, those were disgusting and really cool at the same time. Right. I like Ardenians. I think they're kind of funny. Yeah, definitely a cool little alien addition. Which I mean, I I would always I always like them to dig in a little deeper in the sense that like we've never seen a prominent live action Twilight or many prominent live action characters of any kind. It's kind of that a bummer. Are, that are an alien species that was previously introduced. Right. It's always a new one because it's just testing the new bounds of technology. That's when they just decide to introduce aliens that yeah. way. So, uh, but. Another one, the final thing I had that I put down was the goggles that the Imperial uh, Army uses. Yeah. Are so Kylo Ren reminiscent. It's ridiculous. Interesting. I don't know why. They just kind of look like ski goggles. But they look exactly like Kylo Ren's. Like, you uh, think purposefully? I don't know, but it's the kind of thing where Han had him. Yep. Kylo oh, Ren's his son. Oh, yeah. How'd he build a mask? That's a good point. Who knows? But a little inspiration potentially sees that hanging around in his dad's ship. Just God, these people are so smart. I do, yeah, it's like that's one. But he also was obsessed with the empire. That's right. So it, it does really work. Like the one thing of his father's that's imperial. Yeah, that's a double check box for him. I know. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, could be like kind of cool. The rest of it is obviously Vader themed. Do you want to get to the news? Yes, because there is some news. Okay. Uh, start off with, uh, let's talk about pod racing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, so Unreal Engine 4, uh, which is uh, just an, uh, a platform for game development, essentially. Yep. And so a lot of people are... It's theoretical re- gaming. Yeah, a lot of people are remastering uh old games and so recently someone remastered pod racing uh pod racer on uh on the unreal engine 4 and it looks ridiculous so this is cool because you and i uh, played n64 when we were kids yes and we had that was one of like three games we owned yep we played it a lot and we just played it tonight for a little walk down memory lane and it's kind of a cool racing game it kind of didn't get its due yeah it's different it has different kind of mechanics because you're not driving a car like you can clearly feel the thing you're driving has insane shocks yeah which yeah. is it's sensitive. weird for a game that was so old back like the other thing about it is you really go oh yeah you're it's flying fast man oh well i mean i forget what it was but there are certain I think it's uh, like Red Dead Redemption where uh, you compare like the horse speeds in the first and the second. And you don't clue into these things at the time. You're like, that's the most realistic thing in the world. But like, the, it's like you took the horse and you like rapidly dragged it across the ground because it's, oh, like, yeah. it's just when you compare what was the most technologically advanced at the time, if we don't have anything to compare it to, we remember it very differently. Absolutely. And so it's, it's really cool in that way that things... Like our imagination really filled in a lot of gaps when we were younger, which is cool. So now they're going to go ahead and remaster a bunch of other classic Star Wars video games. Yeah, these are just people who get inspiration from other people on the internet, and uh, like nothing, none of this is licensed or legit or allowed, really. Or playable. Like you can't mod this. It's just a YouTube video. No, no, no. You can play it. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. So that's the cool part. You can download it and be able to play it. Um. Interesting. So I don't exactly know specifically how to um, to get it up and running and working, but just with an emulator of some kind. Yeah, I don't just I don't I wasn't able to get it to work on my MacBook, so okay. I'll probably just try it on like an Android device of sorts. Right. But it, like it's pretty cool. I think Dark Forces. I think I read that someone was working on that, and they were pretty far along. I think it was that game. If not, it was one right around that era that was a, a very prominent Star Wars game. So just nice. cool to see that the fans are kind of taking that part into like that is the one thing that. No matter who you are, I, I've been very pleased with Disney's like revitalization of Star Wars in a lot of ways, but they've just completely screwed the pooch on video games, and Star Wars used to be a category of video games, not just two friggin' video games released in like the seven years that Disney's owned it's the property. It's very bizarre. I know it takes a lot to make a video game, and they want to do everything uh, as well as possible. And I think the other thing is they don't want to give a lot of secrets out to somebody who doesn't yes. work on a film set. Yes, that is fair. However, they've scrapped ideas that have been really far along in development. They have clearly no leadership that they know what they're doing. Uh, Bob Iger has happily farmed it out to EA and EA is not doing a good job. And for some reason, Bob Iger is fine with that. Right. But like the graphics are incredible in these games. They just don't tell, they don't, do the storytelling that people want there's no immersion you don't have like the old republic style games and the things that really were like people would sink hundreds and hundreds of hours into star wars games that's right because they were so immersive and they were so cool and in a lot of times some of the most like highly developed games out there and you've been dreaming to do it ever since you first saw star wars to pretend you were a jedi yeah exactly and when you look at like 
how that can be recreated, it just it doesn't make sense. Because I know it takes a while to develop video games, but I always look back to like Ubisoft, which is not the biggest developer, but is a, a large developer, and they produce extremely high quality games. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, and I mean, yes, people always will complain. Assassin's Creed has, in theory, been very repetitive in the past, but the world building that they're able to accomplish in that on a yearly basis taking the game to with new stories to new locations is something that is disturbing that Star Wars has not been able to do yeah it's weird because if i can friggin do like take a pirate ship from florida to the caribbean in assassins creed in the 1800s why can't I friggin' fly an X-wing fighter through like, but even with like friggin' hyperspace? Yeah, you don't need to give me an entire map. Map, give me like areas that are free for exploration and hyperspace routes. And I guess, but sandbox gaming is like people have a pretty high standard, and they want to avoid people bitching and moaning, which they'll do. Yes, they will. But there's also a line between sandbox and pure linear gaming right and like the storyline for battlefront was so linear yeah because it was just like chapter 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 i think that's going away and yeah that's too boring that's not engaging enough however it's also not engaging enough if you don't have any story at all right Uh, and then also it's too much to expect to have a pure open sandbox game yes so it's a guided story with the ability to be able to have kind of offshooted other things. I'm excited for the Jedi Fallen Order that's going to come out later in the year. So yeah. I, I think that's kind of the the last straw with the fan base. And if they screw that one up, it's going to be bad. It be- won't be popular. You're right. Yeah, because I mean, people are doing this on their own time because the gaming in Star Wars is terrible now. Okay, what else? So Oscar Isaac, he helped uh, convince Pedro Pascal to be the Mandalorian. Just found <laughs> yeah. that on one of those little wired interviews. Yeah, so. that's maybe I saw that or maybe you told me about it. Yeah, no, I think I saw it myself. He does seem like he's kind of full of beans, this Pedro Pascal. Yeah, he really, really does. Yeah. I saw. I watched some interviews with him, and he was specifically for the Three Frontiers. Is that what it's called? Triple Frontier? Triple Frontier. Yeah, just, yeah, and he has been goofy to all get out in them, and so it looks like they had a lot of fun making that movie. Well, that's interesting. They're both Star Wars actors, and they're both in this movie. Yeah, well, they're also both... Um, extremely successful uh, Latino actors. That's right. And, and that's also really cool. There's a very kind of uh, strong Latino presence in Star Wars, which I really like. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's nice that it's kind of giving its due in that capacity. Yeah. Uh, extended canon. This is a little bit interesting. I thought this was really quite odd and funny. Okay. Uh, it is a picture book. It is a canon story picture book. All right. A la like green eggs and ham, you could see. And it's called C-3PO Does Not Like Sand. Oh, my God. And it is 3PO, BB-8, and R2, after the events of The Last Jedi, sent on a mission by Leia Organa to Tatooine. And... Okay. I don't think anything real... I think it's just hijinks ensues. But it's just a little picture book. It's a storybook that's... Like clearly for like three year olds. That's so interesting though, because like. But I just I lo- I really think it's funny. The I like title it. is good. There's a million different reasons why three PO might not like sand. Of course, you know. And I, I just love like it. and I think of like that initial sequence, um, and it was always one that when I was a little kid, uh, and I don't even know if I even mentioned this, but I always felt 
really uncomfortable when 3PO and R2 go their separate ways sure. on Tatooine yeah. at this, in A New Hope. It feels it feels just very like, oh, bad things are going to happen for both of you. This yep. is this is not a good moment. You're supposed to feel that way for yeah, sure. Yeah, and yeah. it's... Yeah, I, just, I think it harkens back to that really nicely. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny to hear that. Uh, they released the Padme and General Grievous Age of Republic comics in the last little bit. Those okay. have been... Uh, I think fairly well received, and I guess they'll probably be moving on to the age of rebellion though now, because I think they've done a lot of these ones, and they have to be getting to that soon. So yeah, start seeing some Han can I just say one. this is apropos of nothing? But I'm really glad to not be talking about Palpatine this week. It just seems like we've talked about Palpatine, and like I'm so ready to <laughs> because of the prequels. We talked about the prequels so much, and then like it comes to a like a an abrupt stop. Well, and... well, it comes to a point where you really talk about Palpatine a lot. And... That's true. I didn't even realize how much, but yeah, you have to because he is that primary focus. Yeah, now we're just going to talk about other people entirely, and I'm excited for that. Yeah, that is true because there is nobody that we would have talked about as much as we talked about Palpatine for the original trilogy, no. except for maybe Vader, but even still, he's barely in them by comparison. But he's still like, uh, he's not not that he's more interesting because obviously Palpatine is interesting, but just like we we've theorized every possible thing about Palpatine, and I'm ready to take a break. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, episode nine. Let's talk about a couple little bits of news here. Okay. Uh, so some footage was shown to shareholders. Uh, very little amount. Uh, some shots from the movie. Some shots from behind the scenes. Uh, but the description was they saw a blockade runner uh, in an abandoned hangar. Uh, there's Kylo Ren looking at Vader's mask in a like a bright white room okay, uh, with no one else in them. And then there's our heroes on the Falcon. So there's very little was seen. Sure. Uh, some some of Rey doing behind the scenes uh, like air somersaults, Daisy Ridley holding a lightsaber. Okay. So like in could, rehearsal. Yeah. So we could see some acrobatic lightsaber fighting, which cool. would be really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the white room that Kylo Ren's in... Uh, doesn't really say a whole lot. Uh, one person theorized online based off of the kind of Q&A that some shareholder did. Um, but that it could maybe actually be Vader's meditation chamber. Oh, yeah. That Kylo keeps the mask in there and goes to meditate like with the mask and maybe communes with what a perv. Vader's ghost yeah. in there. Maybe. Which could be. It would make sense. I guess. Like that's a like a force sensitive area for Vader for sure. Right. Uh, his meditation chamber was his torture chamber. Yeah. He would go in there and to be alone with his thoughts and torture himself and become stronger with the force. Oh, that's so cool. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and so Kylo Ren might be doing the same thing. Okay. Uh, it's just, a, it's exciting. It's kind of, um, it. We know that the trailer's coming yeah. in like on April twelfth or whatever yeah, it is. That's true. It's it's kind of soon, and that's getting it's coming pretty soon. So it makes sense that kind of some visual leaks are coming out because we're going to see two solid minutes of this. Probably. And we'll finally know the name of the movie now. You sent me a message the other day, and there was reason to think maybe this movie would be called The Only Hope, and now you don't think that's really the case anymore. Well, I I think that it's definitely been a debunked sourcing and and like. Okay. Leak. It was not a leak. Okay. However, it does not mean that it was not spawned from a leak of some capacity. True. And I still like that title. It's a good title. And it's the most recent one to kind of make the rounds. So it's not un I think if you're putting all the titles on a on a betting board, I'd probably give that one the best odds, yeah. but only because it's the most recent one we've heard. That's yeah. the only reason why. And also because I like it and the online reaction was pretty strong. Yeah. And if there's 
any any thought whatsoever that people in marketing tried to leak it and they were okay with that and disney was strategically okay with that they leaked like 40 friggin titles who knows yeah and they just waited to watch all the little like comment boards across just to see if it would be despised immediately or at least remotely well received who knows it really should have some kind of significance like but like a reference to that's a beautiful like callback to leia and to the kenobis and it's just i say the kenobis as if there was more than one but (laughs) it's just in theory i I don't know why obi-wan necessarily comes back up in episode nine unless there's more kenobi lineage however we could all we could see all of the force ghosts come back just because there's not that many of them and we did see a culmination of all the force ghosts in episode six this is the final one well and about six months ago you had a pretty compelling theory that ray was a kenobi oh i I still i still think that that is a so calling the movie the only hope then has another oh my god it totally significance elevates it even more yes especially seeing as who said that to and who said that to who right um so okay a little bit more uh matt smith his role in episode nine may be as an audience member. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah he might be w- there with us. <laughs> yeah. So it was either a rumor that was never uh, properly dispelled, or he was cut from the movie and they didn't publicize it. Or what I still think is the most likely is that he is in the movie. Okay. And that it is exactly what Snoke not being on any, like N- Andy Circus. They would never in a million years say is in the movie, and he would, of course, deny it. But I would bet my left ear that Andy Serkis will be in this movie. Sure. As Snoke in some capacity, a voiceover, flashback, you name it. Matt Smith could have a character that is, like, if he is in the movie, it means his character has significance. Yeah, you're Because right. he was also not mentioned and released alongside alongside the rest of them. And so it can still make sense that he's in this movie and that they're trying to keep it a secret. However, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because as much as they may want to keep his character a secret, you don't need to keep him a secret. No, no, that's right. So I don't, I, I don't really know. I could, it could make sense that he's still in the movie, but he denies it. He says, uh, no, I'm not in the movie. Somebody asked him. He says, as far as I can tell, I'm definitely not. Okay. All right. So maybe he isn't, or maybe he is, and he's like playing young Palpatine in a flashback, and uh, they in McDermott his face, and they just needed somebody who could really act, and so him saying I'm not in it is not inaccurate. Yeah, method wise, I'm not in it. Yeah, because I mean, like, it's not. It's (laughs) oh yeah. Well, I mean, do you really consider the guy who played? Tarkin in Rogue One to be like uh like that's an incredible acting performance that he did to be able to bring that character to life. I don't know, ask but him. It, I bet but he'd it, tell you he's no, in it. <laughs> but it is not just him playing that character. Right. And so well, you could like, that is absolutely that is the essence of another person, yeah. technology and you playing that character. No, technology is not doing anything to play the character. Technology exists in the same way it exists in Avatar and Toy Story. Like he's he's playing. P- Peter Cushing is not alive. No, so I know. Peter Cushing did nothing except have a face. Yeah, and so like the same way Gary Oldman, but also played Win- Winston Churchill, who had a body of work. He played that character, and I kind of think it's the same. Except rather than wearing makeup, he wore a computer mask. 
Yeah. I I would view it differently because it's also his voice and I'm sure they adjusted other elements. There was <laughs> like that's the thing. It, it's it, it wasn't just as simple as a mask in the same way. It's a pretty intense I know it's a gray area. It's a gray area and I'm not and I'm rem- not even remotely taking anything away from that actor. Right. I just I think it, I, you can make the argument that the people who were behind that technology and Peter Cushing deserve credit for that work as well that's fair uh and that matt smith might be trying to hide behind that notion i think okay i hear you yeah that's all i was trying to get at but yeah i I understand what you're saying uh last little bit not a whole uh lot has come out about it but just within the last couple hours uh star wars newsnet which is one of the more reliable uh definitely the most reliable aggregator of star wars news and one of the more reliable uh breakers of star wars news as well okay uh and so they are saying that uh this fall will be the beginning of filming for benioff and weiss's trilogy okay and so it will be an old republic it will be set several hundred years prior to the skywalker saga um just several hundred whatever that means um and that's it. Will be uh, the scripts being finalized now, and uh, they're going to do casting over the summer to start shooting right before episode nine. That's really exciting. Yeah. Cool. So I mean, if that's the case, that is uh, super exciting. I mean, I'm curious to know about, like what time it will be and kind of the angle. What will be the big war that's going on? And also, how much is it going to feel like? Star- I'm not saying it won't, but like I'm curious to see how much it feels like classic Star Wars, considering there is no. Uh, Republic or Empire or First Order or well, Skywalkers or I mean the Force is obviously existing in in its flourishing. Well, there is a Republic. It's just it's a much different Republic. Yeah, okay. Um, and I think that there's that, no rebellion is what I meant to say. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it will be interesting because it's still Star Wars. So what is the war? Yep. Uh, and you could also look at it like the what they've done in canon. Uh, sorry, in Legends. But you could also look at what they did in Legends beyond uh, Return of the Jedi as well. Like, they brought in forces from, like, the outer regions. I mean, you could have, in theory, you could set some things up that take place beyond Episode Nine that are set up in lore mm-hmm. thousands of years before the Skywalker saga. That's right. Because you can make things that are totally unrelated to that storyline that are still galaxy-significant things yes. that are built off of the lore of the Force that can stay dormant for thousands of years. Well, and the timeline in both directions is ever reaching. Yeah. And I mean, because there's so many planets out there, like the significance of things can really be broadened out. I mean, obviously there's, it's very, you, you see the significance of Luke Skywalker blowing up the Death Star. Yes. You don't see the significance of what does Han Solo do in this movie? In Solo? He saves his own ass. Yeah. He saves his own ass. He almost gets people killed. Yeah. Makes some friends. Gets a shit. everybody's ass. Yeah. And saves his own ass. Right. That's fine. And and that's... It's just... But the stakes aren't there. You're right. There's no galaxy saving. And there could be some totally different versions of galaxy saving. Yeah. Some really creative ways, whether that's like... You could even do something that's like a natural disaster stuff. Yeah. There's so many ways you can go with this. And so if you just separate it so that none of the characters are there, um, maybe we'll be able to look at it with a little bit more fresh eyes. I agree. Yeah. We good? 
I'd say so. Okay, we have so many birthdays because the last time we did a podcast, which was two weeks ago, I forgot to do birthdays. Ah. So uh, Saturday, March 9th, happy birthday to Oscar Isaac. Ah, good for him. Uh, Saturday the 16th, uh, happy birthday to Alan Tudyk, who's in this movie. This movie? No, the other one. Rogue One. Rogue One. Uh, Sunday the 17th, St. Patrick's Day, happy birthday to John Boyega. Oh, nice. Uh, This coming Saturday the 23rd, happy birthday to Carrie Russell, who's in the upcoming Star Wars movie. Very curious to hear more about that role. Right, and next Tuesday, happy birthday to Kira Knightley. Oh, yes. Nice. Good Star Wars reference. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm currently <laughs> uh, reading uh, Queen's Shadow at the moment. How is? So she's one of the main characters. Um, oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, it's because the main characters are Padme and her handmaidens. Uh, it's good. I have uh, haven't read it a whole lot in the last few days. but What uh, would you equate the tone to? Is it like a... The like tone a, is... Is it like the crown? I, I did watch the crown. No, I know, but it's you know it's a it's a, a proper aristocratic uh, monarchy no. during war. But you also got to keep in mind the characters fifteen. So yeah, in the crown, she's pretty youthful too. That's kind of the premise of the first season. Yeah, I guess I, I don't really know how to compare it in that capacity, but uh, it's it's a little bit more personalized. Okay. Uh, it talks a lot about her relationship with uh, with Panaka. Okay. Uh, and kind of the way his views on things changed or between. Um, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Uh, we meet her meeting Typho. Uh, just I like a lot of cool things in that in that kind of capacity. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is t- it's talking about an immense amount of responsibility that has been bestowed on a very young person, right? And the weird position of being relieved that that's over, but having personal mandates and want to accomp- wanting to accomplish big things for the galaxy and being given an opportunity as senator to do that immediately after. That's right. And just like, oh, geez. Okay, this is going to hit me like a ton of bricks, yeah. but this is what I got to do. Uh, and I will say one cool thing. It is a spoiler, so spoiler alert. But in like the first, like I'd say, I don't know, 20% of the book, it's, it says this, but uh, initially what Padme wants to do as soon as her term is up is to engage in a slave purchasing program for Tatooine. Ooh. She wants to go and free a bunch of the Tatooine slaves. This is before or after? This is before yeah, Attack of the Clones, oh, but before after the Phantom Menace. Oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah, and so like specifically like that was... She, she thinks about like Anakin and how like just the experience of how he talked about oh, everybody in the galaxy doesn't want to help like doesn't go to their way to help each other and right. like says that to his mom or something and like it it does kind of remind you of that little bit of good in Anakin yeah. and then also what she wanted to do but making the decision that Senator has the ability to do that to a lot more than just Tatooine. That is good. That's good and, storytelling. And then I think and I don't know what happens next but I think that if I remember correctly, she sends Kira Knightley to Tatooine. Oh, okay. To be like, you run point there. All right. So. Is that it? Yeah. So we have? Okay. Uh, catch up to where we are for next week's podcast by watching the first 40 minutes of Solo, a Star Wars mo- uh, a Star Wars story. I almost said a Star Wars movie. Uh, in the meantime, rate and review on iTunes. Uh, positive reviews, please, so we can, you know, be listened to by more people and grow our community. <laughs> Uh, follow us on Twitter at Recorder66 or email us Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. And until we join each other again next week, may the Force be with you. Yeah.